Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects 1500. I am your host, Alex Sanchez. Joining me today, as always, David Gasper. How's that snowstorm treating you? Uh, it's cold. Uh, it is It is very cold. We're, we're covered in snow. Um, it is uh, negative four degrees outside or something like that. Um, so I am chilling inside all uh, wrapped up in covers. Yeah, I, I almost had to put a jacket on when I got my sushi yesterday because we had to eat outside. It was a, a slight... You poor baby. I almost had to put on a jacket. Welcome again, everybody. This is a very, very special episode. We have what everybody has been asking for, an analysis on the top 50 Tampa Bay Rays prospects. This is a huge episode. In fact, so much that they're the only system we're going to be focusing on today. We have special guests Jake and Bailey from Prospects 1500 joining us here in a minute to go over the prospects. They know a ton. You guys are going to love their analysis, their opinions. They like they have some hot takes. I really, really enjoy uh, their talking to them and seeing their thoughts. So before we get into that, though, David, I do have a question for you. All right. Favorite baseball player that has never played for the Brewers that is currently playing today? Um, you know, j- just because I-, I like his swagger so much, I, I think I'm going to have to end up going with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. at the moment. Uh, I, I know he's one of your favorite guys over there, but sort of, um, yeah. yeah, like like he just like the way he plays, um, you know, the, the attitude he plays with, and um, how good he is. Like, how how can you not like Fernando Tatis Jr.? I don't know the answer to that. He's <laughs> he is fabulous, and um, are you worried at all about like he's too good right now? He's not. He can't keep this up, or you think this is who he is? Um, I, I think it's just kind of who he is, you know, it, there, there's just kind of so much there. Um, you know, yes, there's a lot of hype around him and it may be tough for him to live up to all that hype. Um, cause I mean, I'm sure there's probably some people somewhere that are already pegging him as a, you know, future hall of famer. And it's like, okay, it's a little early for that talk, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not entirely worried about, uh, Tatis Jr. Well, and uh, since you asked, uh, I'm actually going to go with a prospect since we are, after all, a prospects uh, broadcast, and that's going to be Bobby Witt Jr. I think uh, I think I really, really like that kid. I can't wait to see him play. Uh, shortstop, of course, from the Kansas City Royals. I actually, you know what? I, I was looking over a list of guys. I, I just really like juniors. I, I like Bo Bichette. I like Vladdy a lot. I mm-hmm. like, uh, like I said, Bobby Witt. There's just a lot of good juniors around. Yeah, the, that that second generation of uh, baseball stars, the, the younger guys, they got the bloodlines. It's just, you know, how how can you not? Imagine how good Robert Hassel III is going to be then. My goodness. <laughs> All right, let's True. go ahead and jump into the news and notes, and then we're going to get right into those top 50 prospects for the Tampa Bay Rays. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
So our news and notes this week isn't going to be too long. I know everybody is anxious to get to the Rays prospects, as am I. But there were a few things I wanted to cover before we do so. And that was one, I guess it's a medium trade. It's not maybe a major trade, but it was Andrew Benatendi going to the Kansas City Royals. And the only real prospect to to talk about, I suppose, is Khalil Lee who goes over to the Mets in that three-team deal. Uh, the other players involved, in case you, you hadn't heard, were Franchi Cordero and Josh Wachowski, plus three players to be named later. So we can't fully dive into the analysis of it now. But what are your thoughts, David, on Khalili outfielder? Yeah, I think it was pretty interesting seeing uh, the Khalili Lee uh, get traded. And he ends up going to to the Mets there instead of the Red Sox for for Ben attendee. So I found that kind of um, interesting, but I mean, Lee's a guy with a lot of upside, um, but it's just kind of being able to put it all together. That, that seems like has been the, the trouble for him. Tantalizing is the word that comes to mind when I think about him because the talents there, he's supposed to have some power too. It hasn't shown up at all, but he is close to the big leagues and he's super fast. So he's somebody to, Definitely keep an eye on. Um, I've seen value on him go all over the place. There is a league that I'm in that I can go pick him up on the free agents right now. There's leagues that, you know, he is very coveted and, it, it, you know, the owner loves him. So the value on him is is interesting. I think going to New York makes him probably his value go up just because, you know, people will know about him more so than they would in Kansas City. But an interesting trade, Andrew Penitenti going to the Royals. Uh, always like to see some prospects being moved around, gives us some content to talk about. There's a couple other things that crossed my desk here as well. Of course, as you said, as we talked earlier, third base is covered for the foreseeable future in St. Louis. So third base prospect Nolan Gorman is actually going to get some looks at the outfield. And what I found very interesting was at second base. So does that move the needle for you at all? If I can tell you Nolan Gorman's going to play second base for you in the long term? I think it's it's certainly interesting, especially given his uh, offensive profile. And now with Colton Wong gone and, and signed with uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, my Milwaukee Brewers. So uh, with, with him now in Milwaukee, you know, second base really kind of uh, is a potential destination for Gorman. So you know, I think that's a place where his his offensive profile will, will certainly play up. And it, it'll be interesting to see how he's able to handle the position defensively and if he's going to be able to stick there. Honestly, I don't know why more teams don't do this. They're shifting so much that you can hide the lack of range. We've seen the Dodgers do this with Max Muncy. Uh, as long as you can feel the ground ball, and if he's at third base, he can feel the ground ball. You don't have to worry so much about the range because you can go and, and do these shifts, these crazy shifts that we've been seeing. So I, mm. I don't know why more teams don't try this on their guys that are blocked or perhaps defensive liabilities at, you know, a more important position like center field or something like that, where they, you know, not quite good enough to to be there, but not bad enough to be somewhere else. I think second base is a good place, it, you know, and when I was growing up and I'm, I'm sure this is the same for you, you put the speedy slap hitter at second base, but. Uh, I think that's still in the minds of some people um, when it comes to fantasy. So it's very interesting, as you said. 
And then the yeah, last, I, I think, um, like the, I think my Brewers were on the leading edge of that because, because mm-hmm. they back in 2018 they pushed Travis Shaw from third base to second base when they got Mike Mustakis, and then the next year they put Mustakis at second base, and they're flipping those guys back and forth between third and second, and you know now just kind of other other teams are starting to catch on. That's a great point. Yeah, definitely. I I think that the Cardinals are again one of those organizations. As much as it probably pains you to admit that are you know ready to do the the cutting edge things and it seems oh, yeah. to always work out for them somehow. They always just have random good pitchers come out of nowhere and then just random good utility infielders or guys that no one ever heard of or thought of that all of a sudden just come up and hit like 280 and it's so annoying. Yeah, it's annoying and they always beat the Braves in the playoffs too. Um, so we we are sharing our uh, Cardinals love here. So I like that. And then the last piece of information that came across uh, my, my desk here was Garrett Crochet is slated for a bullpen role in 2021. So I mentioned this because it's not necessarily a surprise that he's going to stay in the bullpen, but in terms of dynasty, I wanted to get your thoughts on, do we think we're going to see him in the starting rotation? Or if you had to guess, is he going to stay in the, in the back end of a bullpen? No, I, I think long term he's a guy that that will still end up in the rotation. Um, he, he's kind of got some Chris Sale vibes, and if I recall correctly, Chris Sale started off in the bullpen uh, for a while before turning to the rotation. So, uh, you know, with how sh- quickly he moved up to the big leagues after getting drafted, um, they may still want some more seasoning, some more development, and I, I think they also just want to be careful with that arm. Um, ramping it up so quickly. So maybe a bullpen roll for this year uh, might make the most sense, but I think long-term his home is still in the rotation. Yeah, it's scary to think if he can maintain that velocity over five, six innings, how good he could be. So those are the news and notes for this week. I think it's time to jump into the Rays system. What do you think, David? Should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's look at some slapdick prospects over there. (laughs) Yeah, the switch-hitting middle infielding prospect is... Uh, probably going to be mentioned more than once. But we're uh, stay tuned. We'll, we're back here with Jake and Bailey for the Rays Top 50 Analysis. And we are here with two of the Tampa Bay Rays beat writers for Prospects 1500. Bailey Srebnik and Jake Wiener. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the podcast. You guys should feel ultra special because we dedicated an entire podcast to just the Tampa Bay Rays. We've been splitting them up. Even my Braves and Padres had to share. The Brewers had to share. But here we are with you guys getting a full podcast dedicated to the Tampa Bay Rays. So you guys ready to go? Absolutely. For sure, it's the respect the best uh, farm system in baseball deserves. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, so um, it is very, very deep. There's a lot to talk about. I'm going to try to limit this to around 30 minutes or so. So keep that in mind. The more, uh, if you get excited about a guy and you want to talk about him, great. If, uh, if you want to talk about more guys, then keep that in mind too. So we'll leave it kind of, on the table for however you guys want to do it. But I just want to give this opportunity to tell us about your system. 
I'm really interested, actually, if I, if I could kind of lead it in this direction on how you guys did this list. I know it was a dual effort. So maybe going over your process there and then giving us a little bit of an overview of the system in general. So why don't, uh, Jake, why don't you lead, a, lead us off? Sure. So, yeah, in terms of that, uh, I've been doing the Reyes Top 50. Uh, this is the first time that Bailey and I did it together. I'd actually say that went really well. Uh, we work really well together. So we kind of just started off by uh, just going over a top 50 list. Uh, he sent me something that he had in mind and we kind of took it from there. Uh, you know, we exchanged ideas to certain prospects that uh, maybe I think would move up, uh, that he would move down. And we definitely came to an agreement uh, sooner than I thought we would. Uh, so we were able to get that done and more or less essentially rotated who we were writing about, evens and odds. Uh, there were a couple of prospects in general that we decided, you know, that uh, we had a bit of an affinity for and wanted to write about. Wonderful. Well, let's get right into it. We're obviously going to skip your number one. Everybody knows Wander Franco. We don't need to talk about him when we talk about this system. Uh, just kidding. However, I do have a question about Mr. Franco here. There is um, a lot of talk lately that I've been hearing about the swing plane and uh, you know not being able to get the lift on the ball. And it's gotten me to the point where I'm contemplating putting Jared Kelnick and Marco Luciano above him for the number one prospect in all of baseball. Am I crazy to think that, or is Wander uh, does uh, showing some flaws here? So I I would say um, I think it's too early to definitely too early to put Luciano um, over him. Um, I could see the argument for Kalnick, but I still think Wander Franco has the best hit tool in all of the minor leagues, and I do also understand the concerns about the uh, like his um, launch angle and like all the data from the alternate site. But at the same time, we have to understand he's 19 years old. So I think uh, I think there is some uh, relevance to the reporting from the alternate site, but I also think we need to like uh, not overreact to it. Yeah, I mean, in terms of that, I think you're starting to increasingly see this is the first off season where. Maybe Wander is not that, you know, consensus uh, top overall prospect, in my opinion he is, but, you know, you're starting to see a lot of really bright industry minds leaning towards Kalanick, as you said. Uh, I don't know if I've seen Luciano above him. I mean, uh, I do have shares of him, so I'd be okay with that. Uh, but in terms of the launch angle that people are, you know, definitely talking about more often recently, uh, as Bailey said, I wouldn't look too much into it. I mean, this is somebody with uh, what I'd say is the 80-grade hit tool. Uh, you want to look into a launch angle for a 19-year-old. I think you might be overthinking things a little bit. And uh, I just think that his hit tool is going to constantly lend itself to barreling the ball across the field. Uh, line drives are going to turn to home runs as he physically matures. Yeah, and, and when it comes to Franco, like you said, I mean, he's just 19 years old. But, I mean, he's already practically uh, big league ready, it seems like. He, he was on kind of the, the extra roster, had, had uh, jerseys during the playoffs. Never got into a game, never made the actual roster, but... You know, he's he seems to really be getting close to the big leagues. How soon do you think uh, he'd end up being on the roster? Do you think he could break opening day with the club, or do you think it would be maybe a, a midseason uh, promotion and, you know, possibly keeping him down a little bit just to, to keep that service time back a little? So I definitely think in terms of Wander, uh, he has the talent to have already debuted. I probably could have helped in their postseason push, but obviously it's not the method of taking with the best prospect in baseball. Uh, just giving him some time. Uh, you know, he'll probably get some look in spring training. I don't think he'll break camp with the team. It's a very 
uh, deep middle infield that they have uh, on the major league team as well as the system. Uh, but I think he's a surefire thing to come up this year if he continues to contribute the way he has. Uh, I would say middle towards the end of the year uh, if they're playing it safe. But, you know, I'd expect to see Wander on a big league diamond this year. It's pretty exciting. So you have four players in tier one. I I agree with three of them. I think Wander is still my number one. I'm just kind of wanted to be a devil's advocate there. I agree with you guys saying it's it's just a little bit too <laughs> and we're thinking about it a little too much. But you have Randy Rosarina at number two, Videl Brujan at number three, and Luis Patino at number four. To me, I don't know if I have Brujan in the tier one. So what's the excitement around him? I just I, I haven't seen the hit tool, and I don't know if it's if, if it's coming. But you guys know way more than I do. So convince me that Brujan is a tier one player. So I would say um, Brujan is just an exciting player in general. I mean, uh, the Rays have a ton of players like him in the terms of uh, switch hitting middle infielders with speed. But of all of them, I'm the most sold on his hit tool. And he also is um, very close to being major league ready. And like stolen bases are harder to come by like seemingly every year. So if you can be like, sure, you've got a guy who can get on base and get over 30 stolen bases a year. I mean, that's a very valuable player. Like, I mean, like with a guy like Adalberto Mondesi, like obviously everyone loves him for the stolen bases, but the uh, on-base skills are quite lacking with him. With Bruhan, on the other hand, he, you know, is he's a patient hitter. He has a good eye. So, uh, yeah, we're just really like his stolen base upside. And another one of those tier one guys, Luis Patino. Uh, coming in at number four, he was the core part of the return for uh, Blake Snell. And you mentioned, you know, Franco helping you on the postseason push. Keeping Blake Snell in the game there uh, may have helped your postseason push as well. I, I, I have to say it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bringing up old wounds there. But uh, Patino coming back as really kind of the, the core return for Snell. And, you know, is this guy that, that can match? Snell's ceiling of being a number one guy, a Cy Young winner going forward? So you definitely want to have some caution when you're talking about pitching prospects. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people that almost err on the side of caution when it comes to them in general. Uh, but I think Luis Patino is somebody that definitely has that up, that kind of upside, so to speak. I mean, Blake Snell's Cy Young caliber, he's proven that. I think this is the kind of talent that they acquired with Patino as well. I mean, he already has a high 90s fastball. and a pretty strong record of success as a starter in the minors. Uh, he's worked on developing breaking balls that have actually also received rave reviews. Uh, I mean, this is a high-quality, high-character kid. Uh, and in the Rays development staff, I don't see a reason why he's not going to develop, uh, you know, the way he should. Uh, he's got an electric repertoire, and honestly, I think he sticks as a starter. I know that the Padres played him a bit as a reliever, but I think that was just to get his arm in some games going forward. Obviously, he's the core piece of this Blake Snell deal, as you had mentioned. I think that the Rays envision him as a starter going forward. And I think, uh, you know, uh, he may not start this season in the rotation, but I think they're going to give him a bit more seasoning, build him up to the point where that's going to be one of their starters. That's one of their guys going forward. Yeah, let's just hope Kevin Cash doesn't pull one of you guys before our podcast is over. (laughs) (laughs) Now, with Patino, I want to, I think I have to say something as a a former uh, Padres prospect in Patino is that uh, when you look around at the deals that the Padres pulled off, they didn't give up anybody uh, 
of any of my tier one or tier two players that are like amazing, except Hudson Head, of course, uh, except for you guys. The Rays <laughs> managed to get Luis Patino. Um, so it shows you that the Rays are playing a different game than everybody. But <laughs> um, very good stuff there. Let's move on to tier number two. Um, and a guy that I like that I think is vastly underrated when it comes to fantasy prospects, and that's what we're talking about here, is Josh Lowe. Uh, he looks like a fantasy darling here with his speed and power combo. Um, you have him as an outfielder. I have him as a um, in my league as a third baseman. I don't think he's a third baseman. Maybe you can clarify that for some of our listeners that have him. Um, but tell us about Josh Lowe and his potential fantasy ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. So I really think that Josh Lowe put himself on the map if he wasn't already. I mean, he was a highly regarded prospect in the Rays system since they had drafted him. Uh, but last um, minor league season, what he did was pretty absurd, uh, hitting 18 home runs and 30 steals. I was only one of five minor league players to achieve that feat, and that includes uh, Luis Robert, Kyle Tucker, Josh Rojas, and Edward Olivares. So some pretty decent names right there. Uh, you know, really, as you had mentioned, demonstrating that power and speed combination. Uh, he performed really well in the AFL as well, uh, where he batted 327 with a 558 slugging and four steals. Uh, so I really do think this is somebody that, as you had mentioned, uh, he has third base eligibility in your league. I know a couple of other people that have drafted him actually to play there. I don't think that's where he sticks. I think he's more likely to be in the outfield. He's a power bat, but he's also a strong athlete, uh, so he could be a good defender. Uh, ultimately, I do think he sticks in outfield as a potential high upside power speed combination. As you had mentioned, that's something that's seriously coveted in fantasy these days. And another interesting uh, guy when it comes to eligibility position-wise is Brendan McKay, the the two-way guy, the the fourth overall pick in 2017. Uh, for him, I mean his his 2020, he didn't you know do anything. He he had had surgery and and missed the season. But uh, for McKay, is he going to is he going to remain a two-way guy going forward? Do you think is he someone that that might push more pitcher uh, that, that the Rays are putting him? Or is he going to become a hitter? Where, where's really kind of uh, the leaning future for Brendan McKay? Um, so I would imagine if I'm leaning towards him being a full-time pitcher, um, just based off how they used him in the majors last year, he got 11 plate appearances against uh, like 49 innings pitch. So they used him a lot more as a pitcher just because, uh, he was more ready as a pitcher. He wasn't. He needed more seasoning as a hitter, but he can he can certainly hit. I mean, he hit some home runs in AAA, decent on base percentage. Um, and he's in an interesting crossroads in his career right now because uh, he quickly rose through the minor leagues. I mean, 2018, arguably the best pitcher in the minors that year. Um, and then uh, 2019, once he got his promotion to the majors, he he got hit around a little bit. Um, but the pedigree's there, and it's gonna 2021 is really gonna be an interesting year for him. Um, I don't think he's gonna be ready for opening day just because he's coming off that sh- uh, the shoulder surgery. Um, but once he's healthy and ready to get back to work, um, I'm be very uh, interested to see how he can perform. Another pitcher that really grabs my attention when it comes to fantasy is Shane McClanahan. Feel like he's a little bit forgotten in this system, but. Reading your write-up here uh, gets you really, really excited about him. So just briefly talk about what we might expect. He's 23 already. Or we're going to see him uh, in the big leagues for good this year, do you think? Uh, give us a lowdown on Shane. 
So, interesting note on Shane. I do actually believe he was the first pitcher in Major League history to make their debut in the postseason. So, it really just goes to show uh, the faith that that organization has in his development, uh, what they've been able to do, as well as what he can do going forward. Uh, as you had mentioned, I've written about Shane, you know, since he was drafted from USF. Big fan of his since college. So, definitely hype him up a bit, but he's lived up to that hype. Uh, you know, he really has a strong fastball. And as you mentioned, he is overlooked a bit just because of some of the pitching prospects or overall prospects in the system. You know, they got Patino. A lot of people talk about Shane Baz. Uh, but with the high-velocity fastball, he's got a good sweeping slider and an improving changeup uh, that really completes his arsenal. I uh, pitched in three levels uh, during the most recent full minor league season. And uh, as I had mentioned, he did make his debut in the major league postseason. Um, and, you know, in his debut he continued to develop that high fastball and really show what has allowed him to record over 10K per nine per year uh, for all of his minor league outings. Uh, people say that he might be destined for a bullpen role, but he's pretty much started in most of all of his games in the organization. So I think that's where he could be going forward. Uh, with the Blake Snell trade, there's definitely some openings in the rotation. They did sign Archer, uh, so he's going to slot there. But I think that he will be a starter for them this season at some point. Maybe early. Then moving down a little bit to uh, number eight on your list, uh, Heriberto Hernandez uh, coming over in the trade with the Rangers. Um, Fantasy-wise, who doesn't love a catcher that can hit? There, there's not enough catchers in this league uh, that can hit uh, pretty well. Uh, but Hernandez seems to have you know pretty big uh, offensive potential. Um, is he someone that, that could be coming – to the big leagues fairly soon? Is he another year or so away? And what do you really kind of expect him uh, production-wise to look like? Sure. So I know that you had mentioned Heriberto as a catching option. Uh, definitely elite if you look at him in that regard. Uh, however, that's not going to be his carrying tool or position. Uh, I think he probably phases out at that at some point to a corner position. Uh, but where he's really going to excel, um, Heriberto maybe has the prettiest swing in the entire organization. He's got thunder in his bat, and he's really demonstrated that uh, through his minor league career to date. Uh, he led the Dominican Summer League in extra base hits in his debut. And in his second season in rookie-level Arizona League, he led that in hits, extra base hits, and RBIs. So, I mean, this is two consecutive seasons of elite offensive production. And his career slash line to date is 320, 455, 635, so... I mean, if that doesn't get you excited about a young offensive prospect, uh, we're talking about somebody different, I guess. I mean, I call him my exit velocity king. Actually named one of my teams the EV Kings because I was able to snag him. I mean, the ball just <laughs> pops off of his bat. Uh, it's ridiculous when you see him swing. And uh, I mentioned carrying tool. It's going to be his bat. Uh, this is going to be a really strong uh, dynasty asset if you can grab him soon. He's got thunder in his bat, and I think that's where he produces ultimately probably in a corner outfielder infield position as we scroll down the list here with you guys i see a lot of former padres on the list and i really like to get perspective from different organizations on how they've introduced themselves how they perform so xavier edwards at number 10 and cole wilcox at number 15 for now uh let's group those guys together are you happy that those guys came over in those particular deals uh, and how have they impressed you so far in their uh, limited time with the Rays? So starting with Edwards, <clears throat> if I'm going to be completely honest, I'm not thrilled about the fam trade. Um, 
it would have been better if Renfro had worked out with the Rays, but uh, as everyone knows, uh, it did not. And of course, Cronenworth turned out to be a major asset. But Edwards is no no slouch though. Um, he's uh, he has 80 grade speed, stole 34 bases in 2019. Um, elite contact hitter. The power is not great. Uh, his exit velos are are low. Um, but the uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see if this if his like skill set can transfer or translate to like the modern major leagues. Um, I know there's like some people who are skeptical. Um, I think though if he can like if he, he can maintain his contact rates against higher levels of pitching, he can be a real speed threat uh, going forward. Yeah, and in terms of Cole Wilcox, I'm sure you were probably pretty happy when you guys drafted him and were able to sign him. I think he really fell down to that 80th overall pick just because of signability concerns. Uh, really successful and highly touted pitcher. Uh, he was transferred from a reliever to a starter in Georgia, met with success, and you, again was considered one of the better pitchers in the draft. So I'm really glad that they snagged him. Obviously, because the trade was this offseason, we haven't really got to see him in a raised uniform, uh, but I'm really looking forward to that. He's got an electric fastball that can reach 100, change up in a slider. So Again, in this raised development system that seems to maximize talents for pitchers like that, that's a really high upside guy. I'm looking forward to seeing what becomes of that. And another interesting guy that uh, you guys have gotten in trades, uh, Shane Baz, uh, came coming over in the uh, Chris Archer deal. And now you got Chris Archer back, by the way. So uh, really coming out on top in that trade. So. Uh, congratulations on that one. But Baz, I mean, he's someone that uh, he he was an early pick, uh, pretty great fastball, pretty pretty good slider as well. Um, a lot to like with him. Is he someone that uh, could also end up, you know, coming to the big leagues fairly soon, or, or is he still a, a pretty slow developing uh, guy that may take another two years or so before he's up there? Yeah, so you mentioned Baz's electric fastball. Uh, that's probably the best fastball in the system, maybe one of the best pitches. Uh, it really just booms when it hits the catcher's glove. But there are concerns with him that I do think would result in him not debuting this year or perhaps in the beginning of the following year. Uh, it would be his control. Uh, he's got really nasty stuff. It's got a really good slider and has got some progressing secondary offerings. Um, again, he's adjusted his fastball from a two-seam to a four-seam. So that's helped him improve a high walk rate and still seeing success with that pitch, as I had mentioned. But I do think there is some development to be done just to ensure uh, he's got the stuff to be a starter long term. But if those control concerns are made, uh, at the very least, he's going to be a high leverage reliever, one of the best in the league if he gets relegated there. But with that kind of upside, you definitely want to see him see, see if he can stick in a starting rotation, because that's where a lot of the value lies. But uh, he's got really good stuff. So I'm interested uh, to see if he can maintain that walk rate and, you know, just continue to refine those secondaries to play off of that fastball. All right. There's just so many guys to go over here that I I don't want to miss many. So let's do a rapid fire round right now. And so in the rapid fire round, I'm just going to give you a name and a position and then try to limit your analysis to one sentence and one sentence only. So choose your words carefully. And since we have two of you, I'll call you out on who uh, wrote up the prospect, so that way we can kind of see how rapid fire we can make this, okay? Does that sound good, guys? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. 
All right. Number 11, Carlos Colmenares, shortstop, Bailey. Uh, just signed last month. Not a lot of info out there, but he has pretty swing. Greg Jones, shortstop, right back at you, Bailey. High strikeout rate, but if he can lower it, the speed will play. We're going to go with – oh, makes me sad to say this name. But 16, Brett Honeywell Jr. Man, this is all yours, Bailey. Sorry, I don't mean to pick on you, but you're, you're the guys that I'm, I'm calling out. Brett Honeywell Jr. Hasn't pitched in three and a half years, but if he gets healthy, maybe he can find success? Screwball. Look for that screwball if he can stay healthy. That's one of the better secondary offerings in the system. Taylor Walls, shortstop. Again, Bailey, you wrote him up. Uh, I'm going to say has the makings of a top 100 prospect. Oh, I like Walls a lot. Uh, let's go with a catcher, Ronaldo Hernandez. Uh, Ronaldo Hernandez has flashed high upside, had a down season in his most recent uh, you know, appearance, but looked good in Arizona Fall League. So look to see if you can keep that up. You forgot to mention that Blake Hunt is better, but that's fine. <laughs> 22, Seth Johnson, right-handed pitcher. I'm going to go with uh, he will be the highest riser in our next top 50 list. Ooh. Ooh. I like that. I like Seth, too. He's on my boards. Number 23 on your list, J.J. Goss, right-handed pitcher. I would say that J.J. Goss might be the highest riser on the list. So back-to-back, Seth Johnson, Ooh. J.J. Goss. Uh, let's see what happens there. Solid <laughs> middle rotation be- arm in the making. Oh, There's going to be some arguments here when you have the midseason update. <laughs> Let's see. Production speaks. Oh, very good. Uh, 26, Kevin Padlow, third baseman. I would say he's one of the closer to MLB-ready prospects in the system. 21 home runs, 12 steals in 110 games. And uh, I think he could be a good utility man for the team. David, that dude's number 26 on this list. That's ridiculous, right? Jeez. Yeah, absolutely. This is yeah. I'm getting angry, like going over this list because <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for the rapid fire round. I know you guys want to talk about these guys more, but I I feel like we got to touch on almost everybody that we possibly can. So let's try to run through our tier four and tier five. David, do you have anybody? Uh, you uh, David, don't feel limited to tier four, or tier five. Anybody that we didn't mention, go for it. You're up. Um. One guy I just kind of want to mention, because he was kind of one of my favorites uh, back in the draft this past year, Nick Bitsko uh, at number 12 back up there. Um, I, I really kind of liked him going in. And then now Bitsko entering the Rays pitching development system. There, there's a lot to be excited about there, I think. Yeah, so Bitsko has incredibly high upside. It's kind of one of those things when he fell to the Rays at the 24th overall pick. Everyone kind of let out a big sigh unless you're a Rays fan because you know what they can do with these kind of guys. Uh, he reclassified into the draft and has a really strong fastball and a knee-buckling curve. Uh, he's played with Rapsodo as well. So I think when you see young pitchers so in tune uh, with, with analytics, that's definitely favorable. Uh, he's going to miss the start of the upcoming season recovering from labrum surgeries. So I'm not going to assume that's going to hinder his development too much especially considering he was coming out of high school, he was already pretty young. But again, another really high upside pitcher. Looking forward to seeing what happens as he progresses through the race system. So I have to admit, I have a soft spot for these high school hitters that come out and 
they just look like they're like 25 years old. And to me, uh, number 31 on your list, Nick Schnell, outfielder, kind of does that for me. I feel like he was a really, really uh, impressive high school hitter. What do we think about him? He Again, this list is so confusing because you have him at 31, and I just can't imagine that like on any other prospect list, he's not in the top 20. So what do you got for me on Nick Schnell? Yeah, so as you mentioned, Schnell uh, checks in at 31, tier four in this list. Uh, funny to think about, on the 2020 top 50 preseason list, he actually came in at 13, top of tier three. I wouldn't necessarily say it's anything he's done wrong. It's just how stacked the system is. Uh, former Indiana High School Gatorade Player of the Year, uh, improved in his second season, uh, and you know looks to be that big athletic guy who has some power and speed. Uh, he just got some raw upside as a hitter. It's about tapping in and finding that. And another interesting guy that I liked uh, during the draft, Alika Williams, uh, shortstop. He had him at 36. Um, I mean, you could argue, you know, in in any other system, he'd be, you know, a lot higher, you know, possibly, you know, top 20 type guy. But as you kind of mentioned in your write up here, Bailey, it's the argument of what what is he as a fantasy player versus what is he as a real life player? Right. So. Um... Taylor Walls is in a similar situation. Williams in a similar situation to Taylor Walls because they're both like elite defenders. And the reason why I like Taylor Walls so much is because he has shown uh, progress in the other facets of the game, like speed, power, and his hit tool. Uh, Alika Williams, great defender, uh, but for him to be fantasy relevant, we're going to need him to see him develop the way Taylor Walls has and uh, show power and show the speed. And as of right now, though, there's not a lot of power to get excited about. One guy that you have with 70 grade power, and I just I wasn't quite aware that he had this much power. So maybe you can expand on that a little bit. But it's number 32, Nico Holsizer. Uh 70 grade. Tell me about that. He also has a 70 grade name, by the way, Nico Holsizer, the Hulk Sizer, as we like to call him. So, uh, you know, he's a true three outcome hitter, but. Uh, maybe I'll let Bailey tell you a bit more about him. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he came over from the Dodger system for Adam Kalerik, and um, he the, just the power is insane. Like, um, I mean, he had 21 home runs last year, and the, just the whole thing with him is how is the hit tool going to translate the higher levels of uh, baseball? Is he going to be able to uh, make enough contact for the power to play, or – Really not. Um, we have him in tier four at 32nd overall. So obviously there's question marks. But if the, if the hit tool can play, then the power will will show. Uh, just kind of dropping down to tier five here at 39. You got Pedro Martinez, not the pitcher Pedro Martinez, sadly, but the shortstop Pedro Martinez. Uh, what can you tell us about him and his potential? I think Jake's a little higher on Pedro Martinez than I am. Um, I, I'm not low on Pedro per se, but I think um, he, he's a good elite contact skills. Um, but the rest, uh, we're going to really have to see the Rays work their development magic because the defense uh, is not the best right now, which is not a big deal for fantasy. But obviously, you need to be a good defender to actually play. Um, and then just the power and the speed are not there yet. But I, uh, the power could show up if the Rays... Um, uh, develop him. All right, guys, we uh, we got through a lot of names here, 
and we're getting towards the end of the, the players that I wanted to go over. I do want to take this time to allow each one of you. Let's start with Jake. Jake, uh, give us one guy that we haven't talked about so far that you're high on that you think we should know about. Absolutely. I'm going to do two, just do them really quick. Uh, one of them is 35, Jeff Hackinson. Uh, it's the Tampa Bay native that they drafted in the fifth round of this year's draft. Uh, he was a reliever in college, but in eight innings before the season was shut down, he allowed one hit, one walk, and struck out 20 of 28 batters. So this is somebody that has a really strong fastball in elite extension. So I think that's somebody in the Rays system. As we had mentioned, they tend to maximize those talents. Somebody to look out for. Another player I'd just like to quickly touch on is actually the last player on this list, Davion Whittle. Uh, we have him in at 15. Uh, I would also say I'm a bit higher than Bailey with his projections. I did interview him, and he's a great guy, so perhaps that does taint my perspective a bit, but don't quite think so because I did also include some stats and just really dug deep into him when I was able to check him out. Uh, he is hurt right now, recovering from Tommy John, but in 2019, he held opposing hitters to a 208 batting average against uh, with a .95 ERA, so I think this is a talent to keep an eye on once he can get healthy. Yeah, so for uh, my, well, first off, before I tell you my player I want to plug, I just want to point out that I was going to say Jeff Hakinson before Jake did. Um, <laughs> I'm super high on him, too. I have him in uh, literally all four of my dynasty leagues. I made sure to scoop him up in all my first-year player drafts. Uh, I, I would say he has the best fastball in the entire 2020 draft. Um, and his as Jake pointed out, elite extension. And this is the kind of player – um, who has an especially high ceiling with the Rays development staff um, work um, helping him out. Um, and then, so the player I'll touch on um, is the top of our tier three, 18th overall, Alejandro Pa. Um, he's, uh, he, so he was a DSL All-Star in 2019. And he was going to debut stateside in 2020, but obviously there's no minor league season. But this is a guy who I expect once uh, he finally debuts stateside when minor league baseball goes back. He's going to shoot up uh, the prospect list, and uh, I think he has that top 100 prospect upside. So this is the kind of guy you're going to want to acquire cheap before his value uh, skyrockets. Fully endorse that PA call, by the way. That's a great one, Bailey. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, really quickly here at the end, I wanted to try this out too, simply because there are so many names to remember when it comes to the system that it might be confusing for people that are not plugged into the Rays like you guys are. So we're going to do the best of. Okay, so I'm going to give you a, a, a skill or a tool or anything, really, uh, even a name, perhaps. And then you can tell me out of the, you know, the 50 something guys you have on your list who would rank at the top. Okay, so uh, we'll start with an easy one just so we can get an idea. Who has the best hit tool in the system? Wander. It's like you can let the crowd answer that one, right? <laughs> that's that's an 80-grain tool right there. Uh, I know we were talking about the launch ego before, but I, I just continuing to see him develop. He's going to physically mature. I've seen some batting practice clips of him in the offseason. He's looking good. He's Wander Franco. Don't overthink it. Best power in the system. So I think you could go one of two ways here. Um so if you're going for like the power upside, I think Heriberto Hernandez could take the title here. But I'd also be tempted to say Randy Rosarina because he's displayed that power at the major league level and has that 2020 upside. And so one of those two would be my answer. 
All right, David, I'll let you jump in here after uh, I give one more, and that way you can uh, get some things plugged in as well. But best fastball in the system. So best fastball, I think we had discussed. I think Shane Baz might have the fastball at the highest upside, um, really with that velocity movement. Somebody else I do want to talk about <clears throat> that has a well above average fastball would be Joe Ryan. Uh, it's his dominating pitch that he uses uh, most of the time. People call it a disappearing fastball, and that's really allowed his uh, minor league success. Also, we have Peter Fairbanks or Pete Fairbanks listed here. Uh, he has potentially 80 grade fastball and could be an elite closer in the future. Yeah, I didn't really uh, have too much else to to go on there. Um, yeah, I think you guys really kind of hit. I mean, this is really just kind of one of the strongest systems in um, in all of baseball. A lot of really good talent, and and the Rays just kind of find a way to develop all these guys and really just kind of get the most out of uh, pretty much everyone. So it's certainly a, a fun system to watch and to see some of these guys come up and, and dominate at the big leagues. Yeah. And I think the one last thing I wanted to touch on here is, you know, you only are allowed to basically have 10 hitters and what, you know, one starting pitcher a day. So, where are these guys going to fit in? And I know that we talked, Jake, about your projected 2020 all-prospect lineup. Now, you did that last year. You've had some additions to it. So if you can, guys, and you could talk this out together to figure it out, who do you think the infield is? Who do you think's in the outfield? And, and don't worry about trades or stuff like that. Obviously, we're not going to try to predict that. But if you had your way, if you're the GM and you just want to set your lineup for the, you know, five years from now, what what would, does that look like? It's a great uh, question. Yeah, go you want to start off, Bailey, with leadoff? Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm gonna say the leadoff hitter is gonna be Vidal Brujan, and he's gonna be the starting second baseman. Yeah, in this lineup that I had done in the beginning of the season, there are a couple of changes, but I think a lot of it's pretty solid in the same. I did have uh, Xavier Edwards, number two at DH. I was really fast and could be a strong fielder, but I'd also mention that there's a couple of really strong fielders in this lineup that you'll see, and he can provide them relief any given day, uh, middle infield, outfield, and he has those capabilities. Absolutely. And uh, one change I would make to it uh, now that it's been a few months since the list dropped, I would sub in Blake Hunt over Ronaldo Hernandez. Yeah. <laughs> or would we put Herberto Hernandez there? Because he's not on this list. Uh, we had mentioned that he may not fall as a catcher long-term, but uh, perhaps I had Tetsugo on this list at four. Maybe Her Herberto plays first base, but I really like Hunt's upside as well. Yeah, I, I would put uh, Herberto at first base. I like that. And um, for the outfield, definitely I would say Randy Rosarina and Josh Lowe are locks. Um, obviously, Meadows could still be around at that point, um, but if we're going all prospects, um, we could see Greg Jones uh, shifted to the outfield. Um, he's definitely an option. Or, you know, that that's actually a, one of the weaker aspects of the race system. They don't have a ton of outfielders, but they do have a lot of youngsters uh, like Johnny Pirone and Jose, um, sorry, John Diaz. So could see one of them. You could always put some of those middle infielders out in center field too and, and be totally fine. So um, I guess the last question then in this in this sense for that is if it's game seven, you're against the Dodgers again. Who's on the mound for you in 2025? Jeff Hakinson. Just kidding. I would go with 
I'll go with Luis Patino. Yeah, co-sign Patino. with uh, two outs there in the sixth. <laughs> yeah, I think they learned their lesson. Patino has got that raw upside. Um, people can cons- some people consider him one of, if not the best pitching prospect in baseball. I wouldn't say I'm going that far, but when you see what the Rays do with decent pitching talent, just wait until they really get to develop Patino. I think that he has an upside that perhaps we haven't even seen yet. Absolutely. I do miss him dearly, but, you know, I haven't got to see Blake Snell pitch yet, so maybe that will help a little bit. But, guys, thanks so much for coming on. You guys really, really know your stuff. You've seen these guys, not just on video, but in person. I've seen, you know, photos and videos that you guys have posted. It's wonderful, wonderful stuff. So, can you guys tell us where everybody can follow you, anything you're working on, uh, all that good stuff? Plug yourselves here now, guys. Yeah, so we'll definitely have some good Rays content for you guys rolling up in the season. You can follow me. Uh, again, my name is Jake on Twitter, at Gator Sosa. Yes, and my name is Bailey. On Twitter, you can find me at XWO Bailey, like XWOBA. Um, and, yeah, we're going to be uh, uh, working on some more Rays content very soon. Awesome. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Prospects 1500. David, anything you want to say to the people before we let them go? Um, just keep an eye on that race system and they're going to keep on pounding out the big leaguers. Thank you again, guys, for listening to the podcast. We really, really enjoy the support that we've been getting. We're having a blast making these for you and we look forward to many, many more episodes in the future. For now, though, check out the site prospects1500.com. We have a great episode next week. We'll be discussing the organizational rankings that prospects 1500 compiled and we also had a first year player draft mock that we'll be going over as well so really looking forward to next week's episode again we appreciate your support thank you so much and we'll talk to you next time this is the futures focus podcast signing off